Hear the word of our Lord from Ephesians, the fifth chapter, beginning in the 22nd verse. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. How do you preserve a marriage? Well, the easiest answer to that is do your marital duties. God blesses obedience, both in this life and in the next, so, if one follows the blueprint for marriage in Holy Scripture, one should expect that their marriage will endure, thrive, be blessed and fertile. However, it's not exactly so simple, is it? Well, maybe it's simple, but it's very difficult. You have to take all the pressures from the outside world and find a way to wrestle with them so that you can do your job as a husband or as a wife. So for today and next week, we're going to talk about the, well, broader picture of being a husband and being a wife and how one preserves their marriage through the execution of those duties. Then we'll go back to talking about sex, and I'm sure people are excited for that one. But you should still listen to this. Let's start with husbands. I know somebody might respond immediately, instinctively, why's it got to be men first, huh? Isn't that kind of always how it is, you know? Men have all these responsibilities, and you're always bringing that up? Well, yes. <laughs> the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that the husband is the head of the wife, which means your job as the husband in a marriage is of prime importance. You're the head of a family, and a family without a head being headless is aimless. There is a reason so many kids out there in society raised by single mothers have really tough lives and really hard life outcomes because the family is headless through some unfortunate circumstance or some sin, however it is. The world needs fathers. The world needs husbands and they need husbands who are the heads of their family. So first importance, let's talk to husbands. Let's talk to you about what your job is, your duties as a husband, and how that looks. 
Now, St. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, that word, agape love, is very special. Caring for the good of the other for their own sake. Before we get into what that looks like and how, yes, agapeo is a verb, let's talk about that. If you're going to love your wife for her own sake, that means you are loving your wife whether or not she brings anything to the table in that moment. Is she supposed to bring stuff to the table? Is she supposed to be a good help meet, so to speak? Absolutely. But first and foremost, regardless of her performance in her duties as wife, you have to love her. In Titus 2 verse 4, wives are told to love their husbands uh, philandrus, meaning to love him with affection, to be affectionate and warm to her husband, to be friendly. But regarding the husbandly duty, it is agape love, and not just agape love as in loving your brother in Christ, looking out for each other, the biblical commands that our Lord Christ gives uh, they shall know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. This is extra double plus special. It is agape plus. You love your wife as Christ loves the church. Does our Lord Christ say, I'm not forgiving you today because you didn't do the spiritual dishes. Does our Lord Christ say, you know, you've been complaining and whining all day. First it's too cold, then it's too hot. Uh, first you're sad about not being with your friends, but then when you hang out with your friends, you're complaining about your friends. I, I just don't want to be with you right now. You're kind of unstable. Does our Lord Christ do that? No, not one bit. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. His love for us is so special, so selfless, that our own personal performance as believers, which will always come up short, doesn't factor in to whether or not he loves us. So husbands are to love their wives that way. How does that look in practice? Because it's not an emotional thing. Yes, you're going to feel like you're in love with your wife every now and then, and greatly so at the very beginning of the marriage, but, you know, the endorphins and the uh, chemicals of love and everything settle down. They come up every now and then, and there's a cycle associated with that. You can't rely on feelings, but you can rely on actions, at least insofar as it comes to loving your wife. So, St. Paul writes that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. In the marriage, you represent Christ. Marriage is an icon or an image of Christ and his church. So, as Christ is our high priest, a husband is the priest of his family. He has to take charge and help his wife along the path of sanctification, of study in the word of God, Bible study, everything. Now remember, you're one. The moment you consummate that marriage, the covenant celebration of marriage is complete. You are one unit. Her sins 
are your sins. You have to take ownership of that. You are responsible in large part for her actions. So you got to take her to church. Get her forgiven. Sanctification. Are you looking at whether your wife is a better person now than when you were first married? The chief duty of a husband as head of the family is the sanctification of his wife. In verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Are you taking your wife to church every week? Are you taking her to Bible study? If you do not feel qualified to do X, Y, or Z thing, are you subcontracting out that aspect of your job to pastors to resources, the very Lutheran project, we are here to serve you in that capacity as well. Are you finding godly women for her to be friends with if she asks for that kind of help? Awesome. Your first job is to say, is my wife saved? Is she holy? Is she sanctified? Some men may have unbelieving wives. Maybe you got married to her before you were saved, before you were baptized that's perfectly fine. You're to love that woman, show her agape love, and do all the duties as a husband while slowly encouraging her to get to church. You don't have to be a weirdo, by the way. You don't have to go, like, passing chick tracts underneath her pillowcase and, like, put 40 of them there so she has to look under her pillow and go, oh, here's a cartoon that says the Pope is the devil. Um... Okay, <laughs> but it is your job to be a living Christian witness and at times a spoken Christian witness even to unbelieving wives. I understand that that can be scary. Oh well, it's a part of your job. Pray to our Lord for courage in how to do this day by day. But that's your first job. Uh, us conservative Christians and reactionary Lutherans like myself would tell you that headship is the thing that makes family, it makes civilization. We need to focus on headship. But in the marriage context, what headship means is a few different things, starting with priesthood. You are the pastor of your family. And whatever you can't figure out as the leader and pastor of your family, you go to your minister or to your deacon, for us catacomb synod people, to help you out from there. But then it says in verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. You also have to make sure that you love your wife in the common sense ways. Is she fed? Does she have nourishment? Does she have a roof over her head, warm clothes? Is she provided for? And also in terms of security, you're willing to fight to protect your own life. You need to be willing to fight to protect her life, however you do that. Something to ensure her personal, physical security, her well-being. Your wife's well-being is a priority for you before your own well-being. Remember that our Lord Christ put himself second in just about everything. If he wanted alone time with the Father to pray, it was after 
He took care of everybody else, the crowds that he fed, the apostles he taught. Everything he did had this outward focus of selflessness toward the church as it was starting to form. So too are husbands supposed to see their wives as a bigger priority than themselves. That doesn't, by the way, mean letting her rule the roost and walk all over you and always get her way. You don't have to be what they call a simp or some limp-wristed beta male, as many manosphere types would call you, for holding to what Ephesians chapter 5 says. St. Paul says no one ever hated his own flesh. You're setting the direction of the family and you are in charge for the best of everyone. That's why you have authority is to use it for your wife's good, for your children's good, and for your own good. And if she disagrees with that, it's good to hear from her. It's good to communicate. Maybe she saw something you didn't. It's good to be humble. But the buck stops with you. Do you have to move somewhere for a job? She doesn't like it because it means leaving her family and her friends, but you know you ain't going to get something that pays the bills here in the town you're in. Tough luck for her. Of course, you have to be compassionate, but you're the one making the decision here, not her. And if you set up a pattern where she knows that you have her best interests in mind at all times, your decisions are for her before they are for you, you're looking out for the good of the entire family, she's going to trust you a lot better when it comes to that exercise of authority that you make. The command from St. Paul here is for you to love your wife, not submit to her. In fact, you could not love her as Christ loves the church if you let her have every single whim that she desires. Question for you. If your friend is addicted to heroin and they're jonesing for a fix, are you loving your friend by going out and driving them to see their dealer? Spotting them that 20 so they can get that gram? Are you really loving your friend when you get him hypodermic needles from the hospital so he can shoot up? No, absolutely not. That is not loving your friend at all. That is enabling something sinful. And if a husband is the priest or pastor over his family, he is to make sure that his entire family, everything that comes into his house, everything that might influence people, is curated. You don't want to let the degenerate trash from the world's media and culture enter into your home. You want to see something first if it's questionable but people are excited about it. Oh, the kids want to watch the Mario movie and the wife wants to watch it with them. Well, okay, let me watch it first or read some reviews about it first to make sure it's safe for families, that it doesn't have a subversive message to it. First, and foremost, sanctification, holiness, and salvation for your wife, and of course your children too, but then their well-being. And these two are going to mesh together, that they are provided for spiritually first, then physically, and you as a husband who represents Christ to his wife, and to everybody that sees your marriage, 
you have to be patient. You have to be long-suffering. You have to be forgiving. Feminist thought leaders for decades now have talked about the dreaded second shift. You know, a single mother or a working woman has her shift at work and then comes home and has another shift of work taking care of her kids, making sure they do their homework, cooking meals for them, putting them to bed, uh, reading up on what she needs to prepare for the parent-teacher association meetings, all that stuff. A single mom has a second shift. But that entire narrative and that whole edifice is describing something that godly husbands have been doing since marriage was instituted. You have your work you have to do in the field. You have your job that you have to do to provide for your family physically. Then you come home and you need to make sure your wife is taken care of. Was it too stressful for her to make dinner because the kids were being crazy? The dog was off the charts, bouncing off the walls? You take care of dinner. Has everybody read their Bibles today? Do you need to lead a Bible study or a home chapel service? Something to make sure that they're staying in the Word. Are the kids okay? Did you take care of them? Did you play with them? Did you give your wife a break because she's been doing this all day? Yes, you need to take that second shift and then worry about taking care of yourself. Not relying on your wife, by the way, to take care of you and make you feel better after a long, hard day at work. Sure, in theory, you could say, I deserve to relax. You do. You've been working hard. Take care of her first and then go relax. Then go recuperate. You're king of your castle. Yes, you are. But you're not a modern king living in luxury and doing nothing, getting served and pampered and pleased. You're like one of the really old kings out there that was more like a warlord. You make things happen. You make things run. You are el jefe to your family, and you make sure that it gets done and thrives. That is what it means to be a head of a household. You take care of things. You fight the family's battles for them. And is your wife going to be doing stuff? Yes. Does your wife have responsibilities? Yes, absolutely. We will get to that next week. But as the husband, as the head of the household, anything that gets in the way of you doing your job of headship needs to be excised from your life. And anything that is going to help you do your job as the husband needs to be brought in. Do you need a workout program? Do you need a bigger job that gives you more money? Do you need a car that is reliable that runs? Do you need a fast car? Do you need a minivan? What is it you need? Get that so you can be the selfless but powerful king of your castle. That is the duties of a husband. And a husband that does this job well, powerfully, dynamically, as the head of his household, as the priest for his wife, as the priest for his children, as the head that sets the tone, sets the direction, makes sure everybody's fed emotionally well off and in the word of God, and they are protected from all threats, internal or external, physical or otherwise. A man that does this well has a strong marriage. There are many ministries that tell husbands, 
if your wife leaves you, it's your fault. You didn't love her right. Blah, 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 blah. It's always the man's fault. It was his responsibility. So he's a failure if she leaves. Your job as a husband is to make sure that in the event that that happens, as unlikely as it will be, because you're going to be such a powerful and good husband to this woman, you should be able to tell Glenn Stanton and focus on the family to go pound sand because you're the best that ever was at this job. And they have no right to say that it was your fault, given how well you executed your duties as a husband. Now that said, a marriage is even safer, even better, even more long-lasting when the wife is also fulfilling her duties. If both spouses are doing their job, your marriage is basically bulletproof. Although there will be challenges, we've talked about the frenemies of marriage, and oftentimes there are just open enemies of marriage that you have to deal with. We'll get to that at some point. But next week, we're going to talk about the wives' duties to their husbands and how that meshes well with a husband's duty to make a family dynamic, powerful, enduring, long-lasting, and happy. But until then, our Lord bless you and keep you. Amen and amen.